This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Forever. Dog. Do not go gentle into that good night. Poetry, I feel, is a tyrannical discipline. I was trying to tell a story. The book came to me in a sort of a haze. This is how to write a good short story. No hope, just booze and madness. Everyone in the world has gone to bed one night or another with fear. I saw the best minds of my generation destroyed by madness. Now, lend me your ears. Ladies and gentlemen, get ready for the literary event of your lifetimes. Two of the biggest self-proclaimed writing experts giving you secret insider writing tips and exclusive readings from some of the world's hottest authors. This is Literati with Colin and Michael. What an intro. Hello, listeners. We're back with yet another episode of Literati, a podcast about books and the idiots who write them. And I must say, it is truly an honor for you to be listening to us right now. We are so humbled to be two of the biggest names in writing. And I don't know if the announcement mentioned it, but we're also very rich and very handsome. Yeah, that's true. You know, we'd never say it, but since the announcer didn't, we'll just quickly mention that we are rich and very sexy. We just don't want anyone getting confused. And don't think for one second that I forgot to mention how hot and rich Colin and Michael are. Because they are super rich and super hot. Okay, announcements over! Ah, there it is. Okay. Yes, we always forget about the 45-second pause in our pre-recorded announcement. Anyway, we are so excited for today's episode, but I'm afraid we cannot start just yet. Well, how come, Colin? Well, because I still want to talk about me more. You see, as an intellectual, I'm always learning. I learn when I observe the natural world. I learn stuff like if bugs taste good and how hard you can poke a dog before it bites you. When I'm asleep and dreaming, I learn about my subconscious and which one of my relatives I secretly want to kiss. When I'm riding the train, I learn about physics. I also learn that people do not like it when I eat tuna salad with my hands. And also, apparently I'm not allowed to touch the third rail. Even if I really want to, okay? And I learn exclusively when I sign up to take a masterclass on masterclass.com. Right now, Chef Boyardee is teaching me how to pronounce the word raviolo. But because we're always learning, we must always be improving ourselves. One of the ways I improve myself is by trying to learn a new word every single day. And to use the word I just learned yesterday, this habit has proven to be good. Wow, Colin, I am impressed. So uh, what's your word for today? I am so glad you asked, Michael. I actually have it right here in this envelope. You see, I signed up for a service that mails me a new word every day, and that's how I stay so sharp and fresh. Cool. Actually, they sent me like a bunch of words all at once, so it's actually, it's really a great deal. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, it's basically just a piece of paper with a bunch of words on it, And all the words are spelled with what appear to be individual letters cut out from magazines. Uh So each day I just pick one of the words that are on the paper to focus on. And that's my word of the day. Okay, let's see. Ah, here's a great word of the day. Kidnapped. Okay, I gotta look that one up. Let me just get my dictionary and flip through it. Uh, um, To the K's. uh, Colin? Yeah? Who sends you these letters? Huh. I actually do not know. There's no return address, and they used cutout letters from magazines, so... Yeah, um, Colin, I'm just seeing this right here. The letter you got says, We kidnapped your son. If you ever want to see him again, leave $100,000 in unmarked bills in the dumpster behind the town line diner. Colin, I think these maniacs have kidnapped your son. (laughs) Michael. Oh, yeah? Is that what you think? Oh, Michael, don't be silly. I mean, how is it even possible that they kidnapped my son? 
My son hasn't been home for weeks. Colin, I think this is a ransom note. Huh. Ransom? Well, I haven't learned that word yet, so I guess I'll just have to wait till tomorrow's word before I can look it up. Good. All right. Well, we have an intellectually stimulating episode for you tonight, and if you're lucky, you'll all leave here just as smart as we are, if not slightly dumber. Now, you might be asking, why should I listen to these guys about writing? Well, I am a New York Times best-selling newspaper boy. I've had the same route for about 20 years, and to be honest, I'm crushing it. And my autobiography was adapted into a hit YouTube video, Dumb Idiot Falls in Mud, and it has over a million views, so uh, <laughs> I must be a good writer. And being that we are writers and true artists, we constantly find ourselves pushing the boundaries, pushing the envelope, pushing Colin into some mud filming it on my iPhone, and posting it on the internet so that I can push my YouTube channel past 19 subscribers. Good art is constantly challenging its audience. And the world of art is filled with works that are often hailed for their transgressive, controversial, and taboo characteristics. And in the fight for freedom of expression, these works all too often find themselves bucking against that held by society to be decent and in good taste. Throughout history, works of art have been altered, silenced, and even erased due to unacceptable content. And yet artists continue to try and push the boundaries. So there we have it. The age-old question. Should art be censored? The age-old answer? Yes. yes, absolutely. Art has to be censored because artists are all sick pervs. Studies from Harvard show that about 87% of artists are dirty sick fucks. I mean, look at Herman Melville. Moby Dick? I mean, you give this guy an inch and he takes a mile. And don't get us wrong. I mean, we like the classic 1999 album Play, certified platinum in over 20 countries, just as much as the next person. But that doesn't mean I want to read a whole book about Grammy Award winning musician Moby's private parts. That's why we need ruthless censorship. No offense to Moby, who I'm sure has a beautiful penis. So now that we know that censorship is useful and necessary, how do we go about censoring art? Well, I personally like to go to museums and paint bathing suits on all the nudes and put Tommy Bahama board shorts on all of Michelangelo's gross naked statues. But that's not for everyone. Not everyone has as much time to spend in jail as I do. Do you have a lot of time to spend in jail? Yeah, I usually just put my room up for Airbnb whenever I go to jail, and that's how I make most of my money. Cool. Anyway, in today's show, we wanted to focus on censorship in literature. More specifically, what's the best way to censor a book? That's simple. Burn, burn it. it. The best way to censor a book is to burn it. You gotta torch those little suckers. I mean, burning books is just a fun and simple way to set fire to forms of expression that confuse you. Not so smug when you're engulfed in flames, are you, Holden Caulfield? Now, what are some good reasons to burn a book? I'm glad you asked. We present to you now Colin and Michael's top 18 reasons to burn a book. Number one, the book is too long. Anything over 100 pages. You don't like to use your imagination, and books aren't helping. The book made you feel alive for a brief moment, and now that you've finished the book, you know you'll never recapture that feeling. Another good reason to burn a book, the book uses a lot of big words you're not familiar with, like nonplus or dumbfound. I mean, what the hell is dumbfound? How can they be so dumb if they found the thing they were looking for? That's so, ugh, ugh, what's the word? Uh, shocking to me. Smartfound is more like it. Reason number five to burn a book. The book you thought you were reading turns out to just be a wooden log you were staring at for an hour. Reason number six, the book is evidence that could be used against you in a court of law. Reason number seven, you're lost in the library again and burning the whole thing down just seems like the quickest way out. Next good reason to burn a book, the book was written by your ex-wife and there's a whole chapter dedicated to your sexual proclivities and failures. Number nine, it's a children's book and children shouldn't be allowed to read. They should be in our factories working. Reason number ten, your book is covered in bugs and only fire kills bugs. Number eleven, you can't quite put your finger on it, but you feel like the book is taunting you. Twelfth reason to burn a book, you wrote the book and now, reading it back, it fucking sucks. The book deals with magic, and magic isn't real. The book deals with science, and science isn't real. The book deals with love, and love isn't real. Payback for all those paper cuts. Reason number 17, it's a book. 
What the hell else are you supposed to do with it once you've read it? I mean, you gotta make space on your bookshelf somehow. And the final reason to burn a book... I'm the fire starter. Twisted fire starter. So, I guess burn a book if you're a fire starter. Yeah, if you're a fire starter, it's pretty good reason to burn a book. We all remember Prodigy, right? Now, we know there are a lot of young writers listening to this podcast, so keep in mind that this also means there will come a day when someone... Probably us. ...will burn your book because it offends them. And that's okay. It just means that you took it too far, and next time maybe rein it in a bit. But this next author doesn't need to rein it in at all. We have an amazing reading for you coming up. It's a true life excerpt from a true life lived. We are so excited to have tales from the New York punk underground scene. Reading excerpts from his book, Blood on the Bowery. Please welcome Splinters Splinters McPherson. Uh, Hello, my name is Splinters McPherson, and I grew up in New York City in the 1970s, where I was a major player in the punk rock music scene. I actually used to party pretty hard with some of the world's most notorious punk rockers back then, and in my new tell-all memoir, Blood on the Bowery, Uncensored Stories of the New York Punk Scene from Someone Who Was Right There in the Shit, I spill all the gory, drugged-up, sex-fueled details. Uh, Here's an excerpt. The place to be that night was a little new rock venue called CBGB's. Iggy Pop was performing with his band The Stooges, and I, a diehard young punk in New York City, never missed The Stooges show because they always put on a killer performance. And plus, I had gotten to know those guys pretty well as friends. I wasn't a musician myself, but I was a major figure in the punk rock scene, so by that point in 1974, all the punks knew me, including the musicians. Simply put, I knew how to hang with the punks. After the show, I shouldered my way through a crowd of my fellow burnout freaks to go say hi to the band at the bar. Hey, Iggs, I said to Iggy Pop. Great show, man. You guys really tore the place up, as usual. Thanks, he said. Thanks for coming, man. What's your name? (laughs) That was a funny joke Iggy Pop always did with me, pretending like he didn't remember who I was even though we'd met a bunch of times. You know it's splinters, I told him with a big laugh. Anyway, I said to Iggy Pop and his stooges, where's the after party? Are we going to hang out or what? Come on, let's take the night by storm. We're a couple of young punks, and we have the whole damn city at our disposal. The stooges all looked at each other for a second, and then their drummer, Scott, said, We're actually kind of tired. We're probably just going to head home, but we should definitely hang out soon. The night was young, so after they took off, I left to go and find another party, another odyssey into a world of sex, drugs, and rock and roll. I had asked Iggy Pop if he knew of anything else going on that night, but he said that he didn't. So I wandered around the Bowery for a while, and then I passed this bar called Shockers, and I saw that inside, Iggy Pop and his band were all in there partying. So I guess what must have happened was, after they left CBGB's because they were tired, they must have gotten a second wind, and then they decided that actually they were going to stay out and party after all. But they had no way to reach me and tell me, so that's why I hadn't heard about it. I went in there, and turns out it was a real who's who of all the biggest punk rockers of the day. My people. Iggy and co. were snorting blow right off the bar, Joey Ramon was bird-dogging some college girls. Lou Reed was shooting pool with Wayne Kramer from the MC5. (laughs) I was home all right. Guess who's here, I said out loud as I walked in. All the punks were so trashed off drugs and alcohol, it was like they couldn't even recognize me, even though I was a huge figure in the scene and a good friend of theirs. It's me, Splinters, I said. Oh, okay, cool, Lou Reed said, calling me cool. I ordered a beer and made my rounds. I went over to catch up with Joey Ramon, who I'd become good friends with through the punk scene. He and a couple of his college chicks were just starting to tear into a bag of the white stuff, if you know what I'm talking about. Cocaine. What's up, Joey, ladies, I said to them. We partying or what? Can I do a line with you guys? Ah, hey, it's you, that one guy, Joey said to me. That was a big inside joke me and the musicians had. They were always pretending like we were meeting for the first time. Joey Ramon was really excited to see me, but unfortunately he suddenly started to feel really sick with a cold, so he had to go home, which he said sucked because he really wanted to hang out. He said we should definitely hang out soon, though. I went and joined my buddies Lou Reed and Wayne Kramer over, over at the pool table, two guys I'd party with plenty of times. Lou was just about to sink the eight ball to win the game, but first they were taking a quick powder break if you catch my drift. Cocaine. I got next game, boys, I said to them, and could I maybe do a line with you guys? They were thrilled to see me, but unfortunately they both suddenly remembered that they both had dinner plans that they had forgotten about, so they had to leave right away. But we should definitely hang out again soon. I went over to the bar to go catch up with Iggy and his band again. Oh, hey, you again, Iggy said, thrilled to see me. That's right, in the flesh, I said. 
can I do a line with you guys? I'll pay for it. But then they told me they were really tired again, so they had to go home and get some rest. Definitely for good this time. They did a few lines of cocaine, and then they left to go home and go to sleep. So by then, all my punk rock friends had cleared out. <laughs> Looks like I outparted them once again. The night was still young, so I went to the Gaslight, a little lesser-known music venue on St. Mark's, to see who was playing. Turns out the Ramones were headlining a show. So I guess what must have happened was Joey Ramone must have taken some medicine for that cold he was telling me about earlier, and he felt better, so now he decided to play a show at the last minute, and he didn't have any way to reach me to tell me that that's where everyone was hanging out now. Anyway, I paid the fee to get in and join the party. The Ramones were playing Sheena as a punk rocker, and the crowd was losing it. I spotted Lou Reen and Wayne Kramer up front, so I guess what must have happened was both of their respective dinner plans must have fallen through, so they decided to come out to the show instead. Iggy and the gang were there, too, hanging out in the back, getting totally wasted. I guess they must have gotten a second wind again, and they weren't tired anymore. The Ramones closed on Gimme Gimme Shock Treatment, and after the show, I went to go catch up with them in the green room, where they were partying with a murderer's row of punks. Lou, Wayne, Iggy, Patti Smith, Richard Hell, Lydia Lunch, the Dead Boys, pretty much all my friends. I could tell by the smell of weed and booze and the blaring punk rock music coming from the green room that it was a real rager. <laughs> Just my speed. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to go in there and party with them because D.D. Ramon told me through the closed green room door that apparently something was up with the lock and they couldn't get the door open right now. And a locksmith couldn't come until the morning, so they were stuck in there for a while, so I should just head home and we'd hang out another time for sure. I had nothing else going on, so I decided to wait outside the venue to meet up with them in the morning after the locksmith came to let them out of the green room. Maybe we could all get breakfast or something. They finally made it out about 3 a.m., I didn't see the locksmith come in, so I guess they must have figured out the jammed door themselves. Anyway, I greeted them out on the street as they were leaving. Hey, what's up, Iggy, Ron, Scott, Dave, Lou, Wayne, Joey, Dee Dee, Tommy, Johnny, Lydia, Patty, Richard, Stiv, Cheetah, Jimmy, and Jeff? Where's the after party at? Come on, we're young punks with nowhere to be. Let's keep this party rolling. Unfortunately, all 17 of them remembered they had left their ovens on at home, so they all had to get back home immediately. Cool, I'll walk you all home, I told them, but then they said that actually they were all feeling really sick and it was best that I keep my distance or I'd get sick too. It was probably better if I just hang back. I guess they must have caught Joey's cold from earlier. Cool, I said. Can I get your guys' numbers? I'll call you guys tomorrow to see where the next party's at. But it turns out that all of their home phones were broken right now. Okay, cool. When's the next big punk rock show? I'll see you guys there, I said. But then they told me that none of them had any shows coming up. The next night I went to CBGB's and all those same guys from last night were performing. I guess that they must have forgotten that they had the show booked and that's why they told me the previous night that they didn't have anything coming up. After the show I went to go catch up with them all at the bar where they were all getting trashed, groupies hanging off of them like Christmas ornaments. What's up Iggy, Ron, Scott, Dave, Lou, Wayne, Joey, Dee Dee, Tommy, Johnny, Lydia, Patty, Richard, Stiv, Cheetah, Jimmy, and Jeff, I greeted them. Where's the after party at, dudes? Unfortunately, they said they couldn't hang out that night because they all had to work really early in the morning. They all took off together in Richard Hell's tour bus, which then presumably dropped them all off at their respective homes. I followed the tour bus just to make sure they made it home okay, and then I saw it let them all out outside of a bar in Chinatown, which they all went into together. I went in there to see what was up, and I found them all partying in there. So I guess what must have happened was the bus must have broken down, and they were just killing time partying in the bar until the bus got fixed. I went in and joined them. Guess who's here, I shouted as I went in. They all let out a big, huge groan, which I guess is because they were upset about the bus breaking down. I was a young, dumb, broke punk drowning in the cesspool of filth that was 1970s New York, but hey, I wasn't alone. The end. Wow, what a story. Now, you'll you'll have to bear with us, Splinters. Uh, we are just finishing up a little spring cleaning, and then we'll... Be right with you. Okay, uh, Pride and Prejudice? Burn. I hate prejudice people. Great Expectations? Uh, the book or the movie? The book. Mm, burn. Dante's Inferno? I mean, come on. With a title like that, it's basically asking to get burned. <laughs> How about Oedipus? Uh, ugh, I would rather poke my eyes out than read that book. Burn. Catch-22? Hmm, that is actually a tough one. You know, on one hand, I'd have to read the book to judge whether or not to burn it. But on the other hand, if I just burn it right now, I don't have to read it at all. It's a real, um... Catch-22? No, I was going to say easy decision. Burn it. Okay, last one. Are you there, God? It's me, Margaret. Keep it. All right, now that that's over, let's properly introduce our guest, Splinters. Thank you so much for being here. What a reading. That was incredible. Oh, thanks for having me. And let me... Put you guys at ease right off the bat. I'm on my 
best behavior today. You guys are probably worried I'm going to trash the studio or something. <laughs> yeah. These mics cost a lot of money, so uh, don't even think about it. Let's just say we put some plastic <laughs> down because we know your type likes to party. Uh, I will say there is beer in the mini fridge, but let's save that till after we're done recording, okay? <laughs> yeah. Wow. That was... Uh, an epic tale. It was scandalous. It was wild. It was dangerous. I mean, this lifestyle sounds crazy. Oh, and that's only scratching the surface. I mean, <laughs> some of the stories in this book will uh -huh. they're going to turn your hair white. <laughs> oh, I mean, I can't wait to read the whole thing. It's it's a little bit scary. I actually am I'm glad to see that you look so healthy and fit. You know, you look at a lot of these people, the Mick Jaggers, the Lou Dobbs, like all these big uh, music heroes, and they're just ravaged by time. And you seem to have really survived it. Sure. Well, that's kind of the curse of this lifestyle is I've outlived so many of my friends. I've seen so many great musicians and really good friends and peers, peers of mine die these, you know, young, premature deaths. But, you know, they really lived while they were living, you know, and I guess so did I. Yeah. I, I mean, that's the that's the balance. You got to, you know, I mean, you want a long life where you, you uh, never experience anything or a short life where you just pack as much uh, wild and crazy times into it as you can, you know? I'm going to tell you, when I go down, when they put me in one of those big old pine boxes, it's going to be a nasty corpse. You're not going to want to look at it. It's going to be <laughs> Barely fucked up. recognizable. Bloody. I don't want some, you know, pretty hoity-toity happy guy who's lived a life and had family and loved ones. I want it to be just scraps of skin. Yeah, hey, I'll see just, you down there, bro. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah, save some room. <laughs> hey, you know what? A lot of people, whenever a musician dies, they're like, oh, uh, Eric Clapton's serenading God in heaven. But I actually think a lot of these rock and roll guys are down partying in hell with the devil. And I don't think they would have it any other way. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> uh, turn up the heat, why don't you? Yeah, I mean, if you know these guys the way I knew them, right. it was very intimately. Uh, yeah, they wouldn't want to have it any other way. I think... Uh, you know, they want to keep partying through the afterlife, and I don't think it sounds like much of a party up there in heaven. <laughs> no. And who wants to climb all those stairs to get up there? Stairway to heaven, no thank you. I'll take the elevator down to hell. And that's a music reference. Mm-hmm. Who? Uh, I, I don't think it was by them. No. Okay. Um, now, I had a question. Uh, could you tell us... Uh, kind of like, do you have any battle scars, battle wounds from the day? Talking about <laughs> everybody having these, you know, drug freakouts and crazy scars from stage diving. I bet you got some pretty epic, you know, uh, remnants of your wild nights. Oh, I do. But first, let me ask you a question. How much time you got? <laughs> <laughs> let me Not check with our long. producer, Alex. Long. How much time do we have? Well, I'll get into it. I mean, uh, that's all there in the book. But if you guys want an inside scoop, I mean... Some of those nights partying with those guys, I mean, I remember a few nights where I actually drank so much that I threw up, and I didn't even go home after I threw up. Whoa. You st you threw up, and then you, you stayed. And I did not even go home. I stayed at the bar, and I actually had more beer after. Wow. And how did the bartender and staff and, uh, you know, all the other patrons feel about <laughs> you that? You should all the way there. They were like, who is this guy? <laughs> <laughs> Get him out of here, probably. <laughs> insane. Uh, you have to clean this up. <laughs> how many beers must have that been to <sighs> make you throw up? Three or four, at least. Oh, <laughs> uh oh, man. Uh, well, <laughs> that, two, that, two more than I can yeah, do. Yeah, I was gonna say that doubles my limit. Uh, <laughs> and you know, and speaking of our limits, uh -huh. uh, you know, I mean, I think part of what I like so much about uh, this story, uh, "Blood on the Bowery," is that, that it just sort of rang true. Mm. I mean, Michael and I are in a different world, but in some ways, it just sounds the same. Like it's a pretty crazy lifestyle we lead as writers and all these, you know book parties yeah. that, you know at the publishing houses there's that we're always going to there's also music and lyrics are yeah. sort of poems set to music mm-hmm mm -hmm. and was that a good sentence yeah i think so and also like uh, just at these parties you know yeah because you know, we're at we're at like all the big ones you know penguin random house yeah Whoa. simon and schuster uh -huh. harper's collins and they play music there usually like jazz but it's sort of you know it's kind of oh. like a concert then too <laughs> hey hey i know i i feel you too but i mean uh, not my speed yeah, no i i'm with you but yeah, like it, instead it of chugging odd. vodka cranberries like you're doing we've got white wine spritzers mm -hmm. uh instead of doing rails of cocaine we are doing yeah, rails of caviar yeah. and escargot and uh you know yeah we're drinking our white wine spritzers and uh we're getting spritz-faced. <laughs> yeah, but I, I'll yeah. say, like, it is, it's such a different world hearing you talk about this rock and roll scene, but then at the same time, I look to Ernest Hemingway. 
he drank and he oh so he's a writer and he's dead because he shot himself in the head and i think he also really liked to drink Okay, I think I could hang with that guy. <laughs> exactly. <Yeah. laughs> um, I'm talking about Hunter S. Thompson, who would do LSD acid and then and go then, to a bank and just look at how weird everyone and then, was. And, then, oh, how did he, and then how did he die? I believe, <laughs> I believe he shot himself. Where? In the, in the, I'm sorry. It's, um, this brings up a lot of bad memories. Uh, he shot himself in the head. Oh, wow. With a gun. Okay. So I don't know cool. if, like, so you might be looking at us and saying, uh-oh, book dorks. But actually, some of these writer guys are so <laughs> cool that they, in fact, committed suicide. That is pretty cool. Yeah, a couple of my guys did the same thing. Um, you know, of course, the guy from the Sex Pistols, a very good friend of mine. I believe he stabbed himself or uh, perhaps his girlfriend. Oh, no, he committed murder, I believe. <laughs> And we would just like to say... That Which is also pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, pretty cool. Uh, murder is pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, I... Um, so how... This is a big question, because for Colin and I, getting into the writing world was not easy. I'm sure getting into the music world, it's a scene, right? Mm. So how did you ingratiate yourself? How did you become what I would say one of the great legends of rock and roll, Splinters McPherson? Well, you know, I grew up in the Upper East Side. I was born in um, the 50s, so uh, by the time uh, punk rock music was really taken off, I was, you know, this 20-year-old kid just looking for something to do, and I would take the uh, train down to the Lower East Side where all this stuff was going on, and I just started going to shows and, you know, just talking to the guys after the shows and introducing myself and, you know, and then introducing myself and just hanging with them at the bar, closing out the bar until the sun comes up and... You know, just kind of following them around from bar to bar and uh, just over time became friends and a peer and, uh, uh, you know, never missed a show. I, I I think there was like a 15 year period where I was going to a show every night and it's just kind of kind of felt like my church in a way. You know, it's like uh, it's like that show Cheers where, you know, everyone knows your name and mm-hmm. I come in and everyone's, hey, hey, it's you again. And I'm like, yep. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you know, so it sounds like you just you stick around long enough. You hang around these people. Incessant. Even if you don't want me to hang around, I'm hanging around. And eventually, you're like the king of the scene, it sounds like. Uh, you could say that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, unfortunately, the punk rock scene now is not what it used to be. Some of these guys coming up now, I'm like, uh, where's the drugs? Where's the sex? I, you know, I still totally. want to hang out with you, but totally. this sucks. Totally. Like, the way I imagine... Uh, the way when I think of punk rock, it's like okay, it started during the '70s and it continually got better until through the '90s and 2000s with Blink 182, yes, you know, Newfound Glory, and just kept getting better and better. Mm-hmm. But now it's like, where is it? The past you know, few years, it started to get really bad. Yeah, it's just taken a dip. After Only Owl very City, recently, kind of after Owl, Owl City, kind of <laughs> things sort of just sort of dipped off. Yeah, where there were and that like you've got because uh, I um music. I don't get music, and I find it to be... It makes me feel things I don't want to feel. Mm-hmm. But there are certain people who I can respect. Like Avril Lavigne knows how to rock out. Oh, sure. And you too knows how to rock out. And both of them, they spell things differently. So, like, you know, you too, there's, like, the number in there. I think there that's why I like it, because as a boy. professional writer, I have the utmost respect for words for language and rules of language and to look at someone who's breaking the rules like that to be a punk like a bono or yeah exactly um i don't know i i uh i wonder if you see any parallels um between writing have you ever gone to a poetry jam have you ever gone to a reading and sort of had your mind blown in that way uh not so much i mean i always feel like uh, music is a lot like a book that you sing, you know, it's like probably the same process as writing a short story. You're just playing a guitar and your friend is playing drums. Mm-hmm. I think there probably are a lot of parallels and, you know, guys like you and me were two sides of a different coin. You guys follow the rules and I break the rules, but at the end of the day, we're all just trying to make good stuff. And again, I am not a musician myself. I'm more of just a, a fan and, uh, you know, a peer, but, um, uh, yeah, I mean, I bet, you know, I bet if you and, uh, if you guys and I went out and, uh, 
uh, had a night on in town, I bet we'd become pretty good friends as long as you guys can keep up. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I, I, as long as I'm in bed by 8 p.m., yeah. But <laughs> I, I want you—I don't—I don't, I don't want you to think we're squares. I've had my—I've uh, had my old fashioned. I've had my whiskey on the rocks while writing, and sometimes it's before five o'clock. Yeah, so a nice whoa. cranberry vodka. Yeah, nothing you. gets the juices flowing. Yeah. Have you guys tried a beer before? I've tried it. It rocks. I've, is it? Is it? Yeah. You, so you it like rules. it? I stay away from the hard stuff. Okay. You yeah. stick to the spritzers and stuff. I stick to the spritzers, to the whiskeys. Uh, I try to stay away from that. It's just like you have one beer, you have two beers. Uh, I, I, I have also tried it, but I get nervous because it makes me gassy. Okay, well, let's uh, let's really dish here. You guys ever tear into the old white stuff? <laughs> and what do you mean by that? Uh, He's talking about blank pages. What did you say? Cocaine. Oh, okay. You, I, what, th- you I thought it was a blank. Yeah, I mean, I'd like I open a notebook and I tear into that white stuff. white stuff, the blank page. Yeah, I was. But you're talking about cocaine. The the, the uh, narcotic cocaine. Oh, I gotcha. was at a party. Um, it was a birthday party. Um, and the birthday party was for David Foster Wallace. And there was a line for the bathroom. And I was like, oh, a line for the men's bathroom? That's oh, weird. And when I finally got in, I saw that there were a number of famous authors, uh, Dave Eggers, uh, Jonathan Franzen, uh, Tony Collette. And they were all doing – I it wasn't lines of cocaine. It was like a – it was like a small circle that they were putting on their – pinky and they were doing it there and i circle of cocaine it was a circle of cocaine and so you know i obviously called the cops <laughs> well, i mean I like that was you're that was you know you're they in were gonna the heat, ruin. Of the heat of the moment that's a that's a split second decision i mean yeah yeah and and you know at the end of the day when push comes to shove i'm gonna side with authority and, mm-hmm. you know, that was tough because that was the last party for david foster wallace and, and can i ask a question are you guys hanging out again soon or me and those guys? Anything and coming up with you and David Foster? Well, David yeah. Foster Wallace is no longer partying, sadly. Okay, I but the other guys, you guys doing anything head. this weekend? Or just uh, the two of us? Or uh, whoever. I have oh. a baby shower. Okay. I mean, I'm free. Okay. Yeah, I mean, is it? are you allowed to bring guests to the baby shower? I'm bringing... Um, I'm just bringing a gift and... Well, yeah, I mean, I could ask. I could definitely ask. It's okay. at noon. Um, it's at Prospect Park. Okay, I'm going to write this down. Okay, and when when is this? Uh, it's noon on Saturday. Okay, I am. So then, are we both invited? Why? I can go too. Yeah, you can. Oh, can go great, too. Colin, you had that thing on Sunday. Oh yeah, I have something Sunday. I was uh, I was gonna do a, a picnic. What time in the park? Uh, the t- what time is the picnic? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's sort of like a, a loose time thing. I don't know, around two or three. Okay, and where know? specifically? I mean, it's in it's in Prospect Park. I'll probably just drop awesome. a drop awesome. a pin like when I get there, letting okay. people awesome. know. I mean, it's, it'll be you I know, whatever. Am wide open. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, so yeah, yeah. I guess yeah. You could. Cool. Yeah, you it'll could, be fun yeah. to see what it'll kind of stuff we have yeah. to talk about when we're not on the yeah. podcast. Yeah, and uh, you know, I mean, uh, I know you like the white stuff. I mean, so Michael and I, you know, we like uh, we like writing. We like our paper, but I, I kind of get the sense the only thing you like uh, paper for is a. Uh, Roland Doobies. <laughs> <laughs> you caught me. I um, no, I have not done um, uh, weed or cocaine or anything like that. Uh, but oh. oh, oh, you haven't done. Oh, okay. I try, tried very, very hard, and I was not able to make that happen. But well, yeah. In that chapter, you were asking every musician if you could do cocaine, so that never you were offering to out. pay even for a line. I remember at one point. Yeah, and that was an unfortunate night where they just. Uh, had a lot of other things going on and they had mm. to take off, but uh, I'm still open to it. I mean, I don't really uh, get out quite as much as I used to, but I'm still trying to, you know, I guess maybe I'm still trying to relive those old days and maybe with the baby shower coming up and the picnic and stuff, oh, <laughs> you know, anything could yeah. happen. Oh, yeah. yeah, I mean, I can't imagine but, uh, that there would be uh, cocaine, but I mean, there could be a joint, there could be a, um, a vape pen going around. I know, you know, a lot of my friends, uh, it's Brooklyn, so anything could happen. I, are you, f- have you okay. smoked weed? That's gotta have come across your desk. A marijuana? Yeah. No. Really? It's pretty much legal no. here in New York. You could just, well, I you could give st- you the number of you my dealer. You could still get in trouble. I've seen people get in trouble for that before. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. could, but I mean, you know, it's sort Seems of... Seems like you're not, you're not so much concerned with right. the rules, you know? Yeah, you probably blow a, a vape cloud in a cop's face. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, I've had my years, um, <laughs> uh, but no, that, uh, you know, it is still uh, 
you just have to be very careful with that stuff. And back in the day, it was a little bit safer. You could, you know, back in those uh, CBGB's day, that was kind of an anything goes type of period. So as long as you were in there in the bathroom or whatever, you were safe. But, um, you know, you just got to be careful. Yeah, you got to you got to be careful. Uh, so now, now that punk in, you know, the past five years has after it's you after know, 30 City, yeah. year, you know, reign at the top of the, you know, uh, musical uh, ladder like has taken a bit of a dip is there I don't know is there a new scene that you're you're getting into or anything that like uh, you know, know I'm not a huge fan of some of the stuff that's coming out a lot of people are doing it on the computer now which I don't like yeah and it's a lot of beep boop 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 and I'm like <laughs> yeah. pick up a guitar yeah have uh, your friend go play the drums <laughs> have your friend play the bass guitar yeah I don't want to I don't want to I don't want a robot uh you know mm. writing my songs <laughs> yeah it's a lot uh, same with like audiobooks and with Kindles and stuff where it's just like yeah okay come on give me a good old-fashioned 300 page novel that I have to carry around on this plane mm-hmm, mm-hmm. now have you to, to go back a little bit to the police I bet you've got some crazy stories with run-ins with the cops back in the day. <laughs> oh, you've got to. I sure have. Yeah, uh, I remember, well, if you really want to get into it, I remember one night I actually, uh, I got kicked out of a bar. I got a, a little carried away. Uh-oh. I had, you know, um, I had uh, three or four beers. Yeah, that's, that'll <laughs> and, do uh, it. Got a little rowdy and I was asked to leave. And I um, I did have to call the cops on the bouncer because I um, was very upset to have been kicked out. And mm. Uh, it was a big night, um, so yeah. that was a pretty crazy run-in. Um, nothing happened, I guess. They, uh, did they show a, up? A bouncer cannot be arrested for throwing someone out of the bar, but oh. that oh. was a big one. Um, there was another night where, uh, okay, are you guys fans of the Stooges? Uh, I Yeah, I love the Three Stooges. No, Iggy Pop and the Stooges, they're a punk rock music band. Oh, is that like a thing where they added a new character uh, to sort oh. of like revitalize, like how they usually right. in sitcoms okay. will add a baby or something? No, I, so the Stooges are uh, a band. Yes, they have um, they have a song in one of the Wes Anderson films. Yes, I do. I love them. I adore them. Sure oh, about that. they did the soundtrack for the Wes Anderson film. Yes, Search okay. and Destroy and 17 other short, cute songs. Yeah. Yes, I, I adore their called. stuff. Uh, it always makes me think of submarining. Why? Well, because of the that's just it's something on a it's boat. In, it's on a boat. Yeah, or it's, it's one on of the submarine. Wes Anderson movies. Yeah. There's a submarine, and he tells a woman he loves her, and she's pregnant, and the whole thing is color coordinated. <laughs> well, yeah. anyway, if we're talking run-ins with the cops, I got I got another. Oh right, yes. Sorry. There was one night where Iggy, um, so he gets so wasted, right? He's yeah. at the bar, he's pounding shots, he's smoking weed in the bathroom, he's doing a little bit of the white stuff, mm-hmm. and, <laughs> which uh, is just remind us what the white stuff is again. Uh, cocaine. Oh right, that's oh. right. Okay, sorry. He gets into a fight with a couple of college kids. They show up to the bar. They don't know what they're getting into, and they're like, "Turn, uh, turn this music down!" And Iggy's like, "No way, man!" <laughs> oh, they yeah. get into a fight. Uh, they probably think um, they can uh, write a paper and uh, end this altercation or yeah. something. <laughs> yeah, they <laughs> wish. Nice try college kids. <laughs> so they get into a fight with Iggy Pop, and I'm over here, and I'm looking at this, and I'm like, "All right, this guy's my friend. I'm gonna get right. in there." Yeah, mm-hmm. of course. So I uh, call the police, and I say, "You got to get over here. There's a fight breaking out." And they show up, they break it up, and it was insane. And I'm like, what is going on? The police are here? (laughs) That's crazy. Yeah, and I mean, it's like, like, how long did it take for the police to show up? So this fight must have gone on for quite a while before the police showed up. Like, you said Iggy's your friend. Like, uh, it was a bunch of college kids. Was he okay? Or No, the fight had ended. um, (laughs) Just sort of dispersed. Yeah, the fight... The fight had ended like an hour earlier, and then it just didn't sit well with me. And I'm like, you know what? I really didn't like that. I'm going to call the cops. Oh, oh you? Did. So you saw the fight happening, and you were like, and I was like, this. That's sucks. my friend. I got to get in this there. Sucks. But, yeah. you, but then the fight ended. And then, but it was still quickly. stewing within you. And I was like, I tried to let it go. And, and I was you just, like, you no. couldn't. Yeah, so I called the cops about an hour, hour after the after fight, the fight had ended. How'd they handle it? Unfortunately, there was nothing they could do. Right. Where were Iggy or the college kids still there? No, they by then, Iggy by then had uh, moved on to a, a, a new bar, and I was in the process of figuring out uh, which bar that was. Yeah, but you also couldn't leave right away because you had to wait for the cops. I had to wait call. for the cops so I could give a statement and stuff. Yeah. 
Um, so I gotta say, uh, Iggy Pop, Splinters McPherson, some crazy names here. You must have had a pretty fucked up childhood and some pretty messed up parents to name you Splinters. Mm. Oh, well, Splinters is a nickname. That's just what all the punks called me back then. Oh, um, sort of like a pseudonym, like an author goes yeah, by. Yeah, pen his. name. Yeah, okay. So, uh, so, so yeah, what's your... Who what's named your, you that? Yeah. There must be a great story behind yeah. how you got named Splinters. <laughs> yeah, you probably like uh, knocked someone over the head with a two-by-four oh, in one of these fights. Or, uh, All right, strapping. So here's the story. I was at CBGB's. 1970. Wow, seems like the you, main spot you hang out. That is so cool. It was a place to be back Putting then, in man. your hours, yeah. I was at CBGB's. Lydia Lunch on stage, right? Yeah. She's singing her famous song. And I stand up on this stool, and I'm like, hey, you guys should call me Splinters from now on. Whoa. <laughs> In the middle of the whole place. Yeah. Now, that takes some Whoa, cojones. Oh, man. <laughs> so that's so, the story. And, <laughs> and, and it, I know, Lydia, she doesn't play quiet. This isn't an acoustic set, so you must have had to yell pretty loud. <laughs> yeah, I did have to yell very loud. And uh, I don't think anyone heard, so I had to kind of reaffirm it. Sure. Uh, and, and then a few times like, the name throughout did, the next couple the name of years. took off. Like everyone oh, started. Sure. Oh, I yeah. would show up and everyone would be like, hey. And I'd be like, Splinters. And they'd be like, yeah, Splinters. Yeah, yeah. Yes. cool. That's yes. the best. So, you look like a Splinter. Yeah, that's so cool. But uh, that being said, uh, so your parents, what did they name you? Uh, Gordy Manischewitz McPherson. Yeah. Yeah, Gordy. That's almost as, that's pretty cool, I, I guess. I think you look even more like a Gordy than you do like a Splinters. Well, call me Splinters. Yeah. Of course, of course. Oh, yeah, absolutely. N- now, um, your childhood must have been pretty, I don't want to dive into anything, but it must have been kind of dark. You know, a lot of these people don't up. come from the most Yeah, probably fell in with homes. the wrong crowd early on. I mean, that's how you end up on the punk scene. You grew up, so I grew up in, uh, as I said, the Upper East Side. Right, yeah. Um, Rough part of New York. Mm-hmm. Uh, my dad was a lawyer and my mother was a doctor, and... Um, it was just a bad scene, and you know, I had all these. They probably had a lot of like hours they work. They probably couldn't. couldn't oh, yeah, not a lot lawyers, of time for lawyers the, spend yeah. their life with yeah, criminals. Doctors spend their life with people dying. That's pretty yeah. dark. That's pretty tough. Well, they both worked from home, so oh. they were actually around quite a bit. Um, I bet they ignored you because all they cared about was their careers. Um, yeah, I mean, they were around a lot, and I guess, um, I guess so were with my siblings and. Got a lot of aunts and uncles who were around. I guess I would say it was a pretty supportive family. But, man, it was fucked up. Like, oh, yeah. I wasn't allowed to do anything. I wasn't allowed to go to shows or, like, listen to punk rock music. And then finally when I was, like, you know, 20, I was like, I'm out of here. I'm going to hit the streets. And that's when I uh, found the punk rock music scene in the Lower East Side. And I was just. So you you kind of like, you kind of ran away from home at the age of 20. <laughs> No, so I was still living with my mom and dad in the Upper East Side oh, as I was getting into the punk You just sort of started leaving home for and I did ultimately, nights and weekends. I did ultimately run away from home when I was about 45. And yeah, real quick, I want to... So you were 20 and <laughs> you were kind of checking out the 1970s <laughs> punk scene. So you were probably born around 1950? Yes, I'm 65 years old. Wow, and I'm not going to do the math on that, but that sounds right, and that sounds impressive. I'd say you're one of the oldest guests we've ever had on, and you've got such a youthful energy. That's really amazing. Which is, again, very surprising for the life kind of lifestyle you were leading. And and I got to say, like, so, again, coming back to the uh, this book uh, you wrote, this memoir. And what's the full title of that book again, real quick? Hold on, let me look it up. <laughs> Nothing more punk rock. I have a written good down. long title. Yeah, I have it written down on my phone. <laughs> yeah, I see you're using a, a an Android. That is so cool. You're just like fuck you, Apple. Blood on the Bowery, uncensored stories of the New York punk scene from someone who was right there in the shit. Oh man, wow. yeah. So even swearing in the title is like yeah. It's, so this book is so dangerous. It's so scandalous. I mean, I can only imagine it was t- you bring this to a publisher, and there's probably a lot of them that are like. We can't touch this. This mm-hmm. is this is dangerous, and so you must have had a hard time finding a a publisher or someone who who wanted to print this. I did, and ultimately, I did not end up finding that. It is self published. Oh, it is? Um, okay. Yes, it's online, and um, yeah, you could just kind of reach out to me, and if you want the book, I'll send it to you. Um, that's that, DIY. Yes, that yeah. was the whole thing. Yeah. What? 
the thing that I read that was the whole book. Oh, oh, because you so, kept saying when we'd ask for things, you're like, well, you got to read it all. I like you got to dive in. This thing's full of stories. It's just that one chapter. Yeah, but there was a lot of stories yeah, in the chapter. We went to see the yeah. I mean, We went to another bar. We went to another bar. Yeah, it kind of all sounded like one night. But uh, um, so but, do you plan on writing sequels or? Uh, well, you know, I got plenty more stories to tell. I think um, we'll see how this one does. But I am working on a okay. sequel, and you know, if this one sells well, which I think it will. Uh, especially with the push from you guys. Yeah. yeah I do have yeah. a sequel planned. So uh, it must, since you couldn't find these publishers, I bet when you were trying to talk to them, they kept trying to censor your work and be like, yeah, we'll publish this if you take out all the drugs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And all the swears. <laughs> like, what, what are you left with after that? I mean, Michael and I, we've ran into similar mm. uh, problems. So, I mean, uh, this might surprise you, but uh, being the literary geniuses self-proclaimed that we are, uh, it might surprise you to hear we've never been published. And in a way, we, I guess that's kind of censorship. Yeah, you know? I think it's the industry saying you guys are too raw. You guys are too going there. You guys are too edgy. You guys have too much sexual appeal that'll awaken a lot of teens. Yeah, they, and, didn't, they didn't like that, you know, the uh, our author photos on the back were... <laughs> Full, fully nude. Yeah, it was a fold out. You open the jacket, and inside is a full yes. nude. We, we, have, we have centerfolds. Yes, uh, on the book jacket uh, yeah. for the hardcover. Don't get me started on what we had to do for the paperbacks. So, would you agree that it's a form of censorship that we haven't been published? Absolutely. But to give you guys credit, I would say pretty cool that you guys are kind of going your own route, and yeah. presumably you guys have self-published stuff. Or Oh, totally. Do you want to hear it? Yeah. Like some of the books, I, I wrote this one yeah. book uh, called I Want to Have Sex with All My Friends, and a publisher was like, yeah, I'll publish it if you change it to All My Friends as yeah. a title. And then I, I have a... a, a <laughs> which my, uh, my author photo kind of, the centerfold one kind of went along with this. Uh, I have a book that I wrote. I worked really hard on it. It's called... Uh, the big picture, the big picture book of human buttholes. And I could not. Cool. I could not. It is cool. It's cool. I've seen it. It's like a coffee table book. Yeah, you know, and I and could they, not they could find sell a it publisher. at Uniqlo or yeah. um, H&M. That's one of those stores where they could sell could not books. find a publisher. And it's so frustrating. It's just so frustrating to be an artist and to be like. You know, it's funny is it when you were writing that book, you were also that was when you were doing your uh, proctology work. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, you know, it's sort of like, you know, I've been writing for so long and getting nowhere. I was like, I got to have another career on the side. So, you know, and then I just like was like, why not bring these two together? I couldn't find a publisher for one of my favorite books I wrote called uh, Mein Kampf 2, Your Kampf. (laughs) And for that one, I'm just like, what? If you'd read it, you'd understand that I'm trying to undo a lot of that stuff in Mein Kampf 1. You were kind of refuting the first book I was and saying, ref- like, well, actually, yeah, this isn't exactly right. It's like the New Testament, how people are like, oh, Old Testament God is so mean and scary. Yeah, but ch- take a look at Jesus. And I don't want to spoil it, but I undercut a lot of the stuff that the first author, who I don't remember the name of, a lot of the stuff he yeah, said. Yeah, who was that? I hmm. think it was the same guy who did Hungry Hungry Caterpillar, Eric yeah. Carl. Yeah, or F. Scott Fitzgerald. I can't remember. One of the yeah. two. Uh, and then I, German. Yeah, and then I also... I, we only have like six more of these. Yeah, just six more. It's like, so we're very prolific. We, we're very prolific and like can't, just can't find publishers. I also have uh, my book uh, entitled uh, The Book That's Just the Word Fuck Over and Over and Over by uh, uh, Scuzz Dipshit, which is my pen name. Yeah. And I just can't, I can't find a publisher. But you were saying self-publishing. Self-publishing, way, way yeah. to go. And DIY That's style. what I might do for my new book, The Continuing Adventures of Young Ted Bundy. Because I'm just like, this. somebody's got to read this. He's hot. He's hot. He's hot, especially right now. And There's- a lot of us, we know what he did on the record. What did he do as a kid? You know, we knew what he did when he was an adult. Imagine the crazy mm-hmm. shit he got into in high school. Yeah, there's a lot to explore there. And don't forget my other uh, sci-fi <laughs> fantasy book, The Curse of the Dragon's Sweet Ass. Oh, how could we? How could we forget? But yeah, I mean, like, we I, I don't know. It's just so hard to kind of be creative in this world that kind of always wants to censor you. Well, you guys should look into the zine world. That's kind of what I'm thinking about doing with this book is you go, you print it out, or you just pass them out on the subway or on mm. the street or you leave a big stack of them somewhere. People just find them and they say, what is this? Yeah, exactly. And then they take it home and it's like a, it's more personal. It's not just some book that they're paying for. It's this thing that you discover. Yeah. So I tried that. But a lot of the times if you like leave them, they'll just like blow away. <laughs> 
Well, how many pages was it? I mean, the book is a single page, but okay. I, <laughs> you were just putting single pages down. I mean, a train would come by and they'd all kind of blow away. And I was just testing the waters of distributing it as a zine. And I, yeah, I left like stacks throughout the city. And then I saw people like trying to go pick them up. And then a gust of wind would blow them away and then be like, well, never mind. Yeah. Well, there was also, you know, uh, I, I must have seen. I I think it might have actually done better than you you think because I saw this. There's a uh, couple uh, guys with like big trucks who were coming by and like picking them up and like throwing them all into their. Truck. Must have been a distribution. Yeah, it's probably it a, a distribution, distribution truck. truck. They usually come about, uh, around on like Tuesdays and Fridays. Um, and and these big trucks, a publishing and, truck. Yeah, publishing truck. I'm guessing it wasn't was it, it wasn't a garbage truck. Uh, no, because the, the guys the were... garbage the... trucks smell like shit? <laughs> a lot of the times, yeah. Yeah, this could have been one. But that's kind of cool for my book. Right? Yeah. It's grimy. that's where, yeah, you see hey, the Sid rats. and Nancy oh, smell like shit. Yeah, the rats can read, uh... Gigi like Allen smell certainly like shit. smells like shit. Yeah. Did you hear that funny thing I said about Gigi Allen? <laughs> yeah, that was a very good reference, Michael. And I, just, just for, you know, our less punk rock listeners, uh, you want to explain the reference? <laughs> Gigi Allen was a musician, and he played a lot of loud, mean songs. Which is the main criticism of uh, punk rock music. I saw him 40 times. Seriously. Whoa. Well, one of those times he was very famous for doing a number two on stage. Yeah, he got me very sick. <laughs> really? Out of that? You didn't get, you weren't front row for that one, were you? I was front row. I guess I didn't really know what I like. There's a limit to this punk rock stuff. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I was I was deep in the scene. This guy yeah. was like, you don't want to give that guy like a, a hug and like great show after. No, no, no. Yeah. He will rub shit all over you. <laughs> Not fun. Not fun. Have uh, you ever tried? I, I know you've written and expressed yourself that way. And I know you're not the music person per se, but have you ever tried your hand at writing a song? I would love to hear what even just one yeah. chorus would sound like from the world of Splinter's McPherson. Yeah, and just like you, you, you immersed yourself in this world for so long. I know you said you don't play instruments, but I mean, like, there's got to be, you, you got to be musical in some way. There's got to be a song within or you. Or what well, your I band guess, um, name would be. I guess I always did kind of wish I could, you know, be one of those guys. And yeah, I guess I kind of like behind closed doors, I have dabbled in songwriting. I don't know if you want to hear like a chorus. Oh, I would love yeah, that would be amazing. Yeah, a maybe first. some other time though. Not now. No, Colin, let's let him. Okay, yeah, okay, like yeah, this sure. This is now. kind of a one in a lifetime thing. Okay, know? yeah, okay, it's well, to fine. Be vulnerable. Yeah, okay. Okay, yes, this we is, would both love to hear something. Uh, this is a song I wrote, um, kind of inspired by my punk rock days and all the punk rock guys, guys I came up, uh, came up watching. This is called Rose Garden in My Heart. <clears throat> Did you ever know how much I loved you? Did you ever know how much I care? I'm sorry, I'm nervous. <clears throat> Let me take it from the top. Did you ever know how much I loved you? Did you ever know how much I care? Oh, baby, just give me a chance now. Pick a rose from the rose garden in my heart. Verse two. <laughs> Did you ever know how much I cherish you? Baby, you're everything I need. Baby, I can't go on without you. Pick a rose from the rose garden of my heart. So that's the first. Wow. Whoa. That was incredible. And I can only imagine what that would sound with some crunchy guitar riffs underneath yeah. it and some banging drums. Uh, we can and maybe a horn section. Yeah, maybe Alex, before this goes out, can we add... Add some maybe uh, at the end, listeners yeah, can some hear real we'll do a crunchy, crunchy guitar riffs. And you know what? Here's a shout out to the Literati Army, as we call them, the Literaniacs. 
We got to come up with a better name. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> you, anybody at home listening, uh, still, I don't think we have had any listens yet, but if anybody does listen and you want to <laughs> take that audio and make it into a song and send it in, we will say thank you. <laughs> but and make we, it good. Make it like yeah, heavy. Yeah, make it good. And make it heavy. Yeah. That was awesome. I wish people could see, but I am waving my uh, lighter in the air right now. And I, I'm so like, yeah. I'm so amped up. I, I I'm don't, so amped up. I must have like just gotten so lost. In the, I don't remember doing this. I uh, pierced my uh, ears with uh, safety pins when, yeah, I, when I was listening. I, while I was singing the song? Yeah, while you were singing the song. And I pierced my nipple with my teeth. <laughs> which is... Whew. As, what's more Woo. punk than that? I am fired up after yeah. that song. I blacked out while I was singing it. I was a little nervous, and I, when I came to, I had taken my shirt off. You are drenched in sweat. You are drenched in sweat, and there's a little bit of blood in your eye. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> no, it's cool. Yeah, that it's sells cool. it. You're crying blood. That's... And what was the name of that? So- what was the name of that song? The Rose-, Rose Garden in my heart. That is raw, and it's just it's just the the dangerous sort of rock and roll music we were talking about. That's the kind is, of stuff I came you know, up with. Man. We were saying we were saying punk was taking a bit of a dip. I think it's on the way back up. If we can get more yeah. hardcore rock and roll that's just guts and just honest and raw like that, that was yeah. Let's undo all the damage that Owl City did, huh? Yeah, yeah, please. Yeah. Oh wow, I need a palate cleanser. Yeah. I want something that can just like kind of bring. Me back. I'm so amped up. Do you, yeah. Colin? Do you have anything that could like? <sighs> Should we? I mean, you said there are mini, there are, <laughs> there were there were mini beers in the regular size oh, fridge. We can yeah. uh, crack let's into crack those yeah, open. What are we waiting for? Yeah, okay, let me pull these out. A, this is yeah, a Lacroix. So beer. This is a Lacroix Pomplemousse beer. I'll take the Pomplemousse. Okay, yeah. and I've got a Lacroix Tangerine yeah. beer. And let's just take it easy because uh, one of those two. Because uh, you know we don't want to throw up. Okay, uh, and I'm only going to drink half because yeah. I have to go to work after this. Yeah, yeah, cool. definitely. So, take it easy. um, we were talking about uh, uh, censorship. Wait, Wait, what's your job? <laughs> I'm a librarian. <laughs> Wow, that uh, seems like something that would have come up a lot earlier in this book's podcast. You didn't ask me. No, that's true. I didn't ask. Ah, uh. <laughs> do you? So, so you, do you? Do you have to like tell people to be quiet a lot? You, so you go to your rock, but you yeah. Know, what do you like, do when so somebody's you, you running your, through the stacks? You know, that's kind of what's nice about you have your hobbies, your rock and roll thing, where you're like crank it up, let's turn up the music. But then you, your day job, you're like let's keep it. But down. on the job, I'm yeah. constantly calling the police and. You call the police if people at the library are maybe talking too loud. Maybe talking too loud or like, you know, knocking books over or running around. Lots of kids don't really pay attention to where they're running. They knock stuff over. You got to call the cops. Yeah. Oh, man. I hate teenagers. I run into a lot of them hanging out at uh, the Sonic where I work. Mm-hmm. And they are just, I mean, kids these days are so rude. And I listen to and respect my elders. You think they would do it to me? I'm almost 15 times their age. It's just like, be nice, you know, like respect people yes. and don't be so loud all the time. Yeah. And don't chew that chili dog so loud with yeah. your mouth open. And yeah. It's like, who do you? Thinks gotta put those books back on the bookshelf after yeah. you knock them over. And don't Ugh. draw on the books. You don't draw on the books. Then if you're gonna draw something, draw something nice. Yeah. Yeah, write like a nice note or something. Yeah, yeah. don't draw a gorilla like, with you're a the big best penis. librarian Freaking penis or something. Yeah. Ugh. Ugh. Give me a break. Um now, so maybe you encounter this at the library, you're going through some of these books. There's a, there's a lot of censorship, like uh, you know, even you know, there's controversy even now talking about classics that are you know people are discussing should it be censored and i get pretty fired up about this issue mm. uh, michael and i were talking about it earlier in the episode and i i can't believe this i was i found these today i found um i found a book that censored and i just what? you found a censored book i found a book that's censored and i i'm just like will you read us some yeah, of it? i will read you some of it and it's just like this is the kind of shit that it's just like Huh. Is this America? Like, we can't have... How can you tell it's censored? censored? Well, because they took out some of the words, and there's just oh. blank spaces where the words are. So here's one. This one is a... It's a story, I guess, called Afraid of the Dark. I was home alone and scared out of my... And then there's a blank, and it just says plural noun. So, I mean, I guess you got to, like, come up with it. And then the next sentence is, I could hear the wind... And then there's another blank, and underneath it says verb ending in ing. So it's and and off in the distance, a noun was howling. And it's just like, how can we do this with literature? How are we gonna? How are you gonna like censor? It's like let the Colin, reader decide. I actually think um, 
I think that's a Mad Lib that you found. Okay, Mike, I I really don't think that there's a need to call me names. I mean, if getting fired up about censorship makes me an angry liberal or a Mad Lib, then I mean, fine, I guess, you know... But I mean, like, I think it's a bipartisan issue. I think Democrats yeah. and Republicans, we can all get fired up about free speech I th- and I think censorship. those things you found are It's are in the Constitution. Mad. You know what? It's, he's had know. a big day. I don't it's wanna... just, you know, I just get fired up about well, this Well, I also see thing. that you've written in a lot of your own words there. Well, yeah, because I mean, I'm like trying to guess, like, what the hell could this be? So, like, here's another one. This one is from, a, it must have been a, a, a pretty, uh, I don't know, uh like a dangerous story. Uh, It's called Spooky Stuff. And this one goes, American children are fascinated by, adjective, stuff like stories that scare the plural noun off them (laughs) or make their plural noun. (laughs) I mean, I guess I can see why they censored this one. This one sounds kind of terrifying. Yeah, what do you think one of those words would be if you filled it in? (laughs) Uh... I'm going to guess it's scare the tops off of them. Okay. <laughs> Probably so, the tops. I think you're kind of yeah, I'm just inventing the... Mad Libs now as you are. Yeah, again, the name this. calling like uh yeah, I don't know. <sighs> but so you know, I mean, it's just it's just a big issue censorship. And I, I just think, you know, I mean, where does it end? Yeah. You no, know? I um I will bring you to the part of the bookstore where they sell those and I will show you what that means. Okay, great. I'd love to. Uh, now, yeah. Splinters, um we what? I know that you have to get back to work. <laughs> um and I just wanted to ask before you leave, do you have any advice for young people looking to Normally we ask for writing advice, so either writing advice or advice on how to get into a scene, you know, to to find your people, I guess. Uh, just get out there. And when you do make the book, if you're going to distribute it, leave it on the subway, you got to put like a brick on top of it or it will blow away. Or like a heavy rock. A if heavy you don't rock. have a brick. Or you could like tie it to a bench or something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I guess that's how I would say you get into a scene. Just sort of put your stuff out there. Just make sure there's a rock on it. So, yeah. so, so you're hey, saying that's the w- a pretty good piece of advice. Hey, Make sure there's a rock on sure it. If you're making music, if you're writing, make sure there's some rock on it, you know? Yeah. Don't for, don't forget to put a little stank on it. If yeah. I could give one more piece of advice. Uh, no one likes someone who's, like, too clingy. So when you're trying to get into a scene, it's like, try to read the room. Know when you're wanted, when you're not. Yeah. Try to Just try to know when the party's over because no one wants cool. someone hanging around. And Exactly. Totally. And, yeah. you know, sadly with that, our time here is over. Yeah. So we want to just say thank you and so what much. Did you, do you guys want to do anything after the recording? Or? Uh, well, we, I, I just realized I may have left my oven on, I think. Okay. And, and um. Because yeah. I was going to say, I could call him to work if you guys wanted to hang out. Oh, that oh we sounds... wouldn't ask you to call No, work. I'm actually feeling not so great. Mm-hmm. I have my head is all... I, I'm not feeling good either. Yeah. Can so maybe I was... Hmm? Go, go to the doctor or something. I was just going to go home and sleep this one Well, off. I guess if you guys are going to the doctor no. together, I'll just go check on the oven. You check on, on the my... oven. I'm going to go home and I'm going to take a quick eight-hour nap. And but we should hang out. We should do this again. Yeah, let's do this some other time again. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'll hook up with you guys later. Yeah. After. You just tell me when you wake up from the nap, and we could all get together, and maybe Shh. get some drinks or something. Yeah, we'll just tell you when we wake up from the nap. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Absolutely. And Alex, can we just call the cops real quick? On okay, Colin. We're gonna hmm? on Colin. D- um, no, this is just sort of a protocol. Um, that we always just like to wrap up the episode with as much safety as possible. Yeah. Okay. I appreciate we're we're that. kind of assuming that we have some pretty rabid fans, fans the literaniacs. Yeah, uh, the literaniacs. Can and get so we just nuts. need like sort of a police escorts wherever we're going. Mm. Uh, so that's all that is. So, you know, no need from, for concern on your part. Okay. Um, yeah, if you you can just uh, yeah you can just yeah uh, we don't we, wanna, we don't want to keep you here so you know get you yeah know, we get, should record some of our we have to do some yeah, they're asking us to do uh, promo so, for uh, seek treatment yeah, okay cool yeah, I could be I could be quiet while well, you guys do that so oh no no you don't you can just uh, yeah you <laughs> yeah, just, it's gonna be boring because this is one of those podcasts where it's just like oh there's no rock and roll in it it's if anything it's pop music yeah I think you would really yeah hit seek treatment yeah I'm a big fan.
Yeah, yeah, I mean, well, you're one well, of so a you'll, few. You'll love uh, when it comes out on the on the you know the. But the, how cool they release it to so, like, you know, be a fly on the wall? Well, while we're you guys not, do they're that. not oh, recording no, it. They're just asking us to do promo yeah. records and to try and get it out there to a new audience. And you don't want to hear because right now no one is listening. Cool, I could get in on that. Maybe I could maybe no, pitch you guys a few it, No, why don't you? You should. Yeah, you should probably. Uh, take off and we'll why don't we meet uh, why don't we just meet up later at yeah. some time after our naps place. when we you let you like, know you guys hungry or anything uh not now i no. could eat great you should go eat then and we'll call you after our naps um yeah are you busy after the uh yeah uh yeah i gotta walk dogs oh you cool I tell me the... you walk dogs alex i started last night oh, love dogs i'll join you well and that's the end of that chapter. Seriously, dude, you gotta go. You got to go. Okay. Forever Dog. This has been a Forever Dog production. Executive produced by Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey. For more original podcasts, please visit foreverdogpodcasts.com and subscribe to our shows on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Keep up with the latest Forever Dog news by following us on Twitter and Instagram at Forever Dog Team and liking our page on Facebook.